Hi everybody, thank you so much for checking out our podcast. If you'd like to know more about us or connect with us, then please do go to our church website and we would love to get to know you some more. Here's today's message. We hope it blesses you, encourages and inspires you. We're going to spend some time looking at God's Word together now and uh, this morning we're going to be looking at the book of Exodus. Um, so if you've got your Bibles, you'd be love you to welcome or to, for you to turn with me to Exodus chapter 32. And if you don't have your Bibles, then feel free to use the words on the screen um, as we go through this. There's also sermon notes available, um, both uh, for those of us on, in person on your chairs. Um, they're also available online on the church um, hub. Just go to the resources section for those joining us online, and you'll be able to find a copy of the sermon notes there for you as well. Um, but before we go any further, let's pray. Um, that as we look at God's word, he would speak to us and uh, as we spend some time together looking at this passage now. Father God, we thank you that you are here with us this morning. We thank you for uh, the way we can know your presence as we worship you and as we sing to you, but also how as we read your word, we encounter you afresh. And so Lord, as we look at this passage this morning, and as we spend this time looking at your word together, we pray that these words would not just be words on a page, but that they would jump off and that they would sink into our hearts, uh, that your spirit might be moving and that, your, that we might see you in and through your word this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we're starting at Exodus chapter 32. And we are going down to verse 29 um, this morning uh, from verse chapter from verse one, and uh, we're looking at this great story of the golden calf. So in verse one, we're told this: when the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, "Come, make us gods who will go before us." As for this fellow Moses, who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what happened to him. Aaron answered them, take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they had handed him and gave it in, and made it into an idol cast into the shape of a calf fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, these are your gods, Israel who brought you out, up out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced tomorrow will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. Afterwards, they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go down, because your people whom you brought up out of Egypt have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them, and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it, and have said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are stiff-necked people. 
Now leave me alone so that my anger might burn against them and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. But Moses sought the favour of the Lord his God. Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against your people whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger. Relent and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac and Israel, to whom you swore, and by your own self I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. And I will give your descendants all this land, I promised them, and it will be their inheritance forever. Then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. Moses turned and went down the mountain with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands. They were inscribed on both sides, front and back. The tablets were the work of God. The writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. When Joshua heard the noise of the people shouting, he said to Moses, there is the sound of war in the camp. Moses replied, it is not the sound of victory. It is not the sound of defeat. It is the sound of singing that I hear. When Moses approached the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, his anger burned and he threw the tablets out of his hands, breaking them to pieces at the foot of the mountain. At the, and he took the calf the people had made and burned it in the fire. Then he ground it to powder, scattered it on the water and made the Israelites drink it. He said to Aaron, what did these people do to you that you led them in su into such great sin? Do not be angry, my Lord, Aaron answered. You know how prone these people are to evil. They said to me, make us gods who will, be, who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. So I told them, whoever has any gold, jewellery, take it off. Then they gave me the gold, I threw it into the fire, and, this and out came this calf. Moses saw the people were running wild, and that Aaron had let them get out of control, and so became a laughingstock to their enemies. So he stood at the entrance of the camp and said, whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And all the Israelites rallied to him. Then he, sa he said to them, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Each man strap a sword to his side, go back and forth through the camp from one end to the other, each killing his brother and friend and neighbor. The Levites did as Moses commanded and that day about 3,000 people uh, uh, died. Then Moses said, you have been set apart to the Lord today, for you were against your own sons and brothers, and he blessed you this day. Well, it's an interesting passage to be looking at together. Ends on a cheery note, doesn't it? 
Um, but I believe that this is going to be a helpful thing for us to do, and I hope it will encourage us as we live out our lives for Jesus this morning. Some of things that we do are only possible when we really truly focus on them. If I had a, a load of 10 balls here and I threw them up in the air at you and said, catch them, you might catch one or two, but there's so much to focus on, you might not get any. Whereas if I just had one ball and I threw it at you and said, catch it, you'd have a much better chance of catching it because there's just one thing to focus on. If you see me out about town on our bikes with the boys, um, you'll probably hear me cycling behind them, encouraging them to focus. You might occasionally hear me cycling behind them, shouting at them to focus, uh, because I have seen firsthand what happens when the boys cycle their bikes and they do not focus. And that includes cycling into a parked car. I kid you not. Uh, having focus keeps us disciplined. It keeps us on track. It enables us to reach our destination and it enables us to protect the cars of Cambridge as my boys are cycling along the road. The Israelites had some great moments, but they also had some pretty low moments. They had some great moments. They saw God come and rescue them from Egypt. They'd seen his goodness and his provision as they'd wandered around the wilderness of the desert. But they also had some low moments, some low moments when they lost their focus. They lost their focus by ending, and ended up wandering around the desert for 40 years. And then this morning we heard one of their lowest moments. As Moses goes up a mountain to meet with God, they once again lose their focus and start to worship a golden calf that they've created for themselves. Over the next two weeks, we're going to be looking at this mini-series that I've called Mind the Gap. And if you're new to us here at Arbor Road Baptist Church, or if you haven't been around the church meetings for a little while, um, you may have not heard that in a, a, about a week's time, um, I am going to be starting a period of a three-month sabbatical. Uh, if you're not familiar what a sabbatical is, that means where I disappear for three months. Uh, this is something that is recommended by our wider Baptist family that ministers um, every seven years go and take a sabbatical. Uh, this time as a sabbatical is not an extended holiday, um, but it's an opportunity for me to be able to step away from the rhythm and the pressure of ministry um, here in a church setting and to have the opportunity to rest and to reflect and to invest in my own ministry. So over the next few months, I'm going to be going away, and as part of that, I'm going to be doing some traveling. I'm going to go and visit our link missionaries in Thailand, um, but I'm also going to spend some time reading and reflecting and investing in my ministry, uh, particularly around the theme of transformation, which is something that is re I'm really passionate about. Sabbaticals, though are a great time of refreshment, but I think these times are great times of refreshment, not just for the minister who gets to go away and have a bit of space, but I also hope and pray that there will be a time of refreshment for the church as a whole as well. I hope that these next three months will be a time of blessing for you. But let's be honest as well. Sabbaticals, for all their greatness, also bring with them certain challenges and difficulties. 
Sometimes it might feel like there's a void that's waiting to be filled. Times where there's a greater burden on certain people to carry more than they would usually carry whilst uh, I'm not around. So before I go on sabbatical, we're going to spend a couple of weeks um, considering how as a church we can best mind the gap of this sabbatical period together and continue to live our lives as a church community and individually for Jesus during this time. And as I was thinking about this, uh, my mind went to this passage in Exodus 32. A leader steps away and the people end up worshipping a golden calf. Now to be clear, I'm not claiming to be Moses this morning. Uh, during my sabbatical, I'm not going up Mount Sinai. Uh, I don't anticipate I'm going to come back shining from an encounter with the Lord, but you never know. Uh, I may be blessed. I may look even more radiant than I already do to you. Um, the, likewise, I'm not expecting you to worship a golden calf. Um, just to get that out there now. If I do, we'll have words. I preached on it. Uh, if I come back in December and there's a cow here, uh, we're going to have issues. But I do think that there are some lessons that we can learn from this passage. Some lessons about how we can keep our focus during this period of sabbatical and as we continue to live our lives for Jesus. Desmond is feeling the preaching this morning. I'm loving it. Amen, Desmond. Um, great stuff. Uh, this, pa this passage all starts with a fundamental question that sets the tone for what happens in the rest of the passage. As Moses disappears up a mountain, we hear as the passage starts with the Israelites coming to Aaron and asking a simple question, who will go before us? This question tells us so much about the state of mind of the Israelites. In the original manuscripts, this question can also be translated as, who will now lead us? Who will protect us? It was a question of uncertainty, a question of anxiety. They trusted and depended upon Moses to be their leader. And now he disappeared up a mountain. Who was possibly going to lead them now? The Israelites at this point had already lost their focus. They had fallen foul of putting their trust in Moses rather than trusting in God. Listen to how they speak about their escape from Egypt in verse 1 as they say to Aaron, As for this fellow Moses who brought us out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Really, was it Moses who had brought them out of Egypt? Was it Moses who'd sent the plagues that broke Pharaoh's stubbornness and let them go out of Egypt? Was it Moses who provided for them as they wandered round the desert? Was it Moses as they separated the, as, the, as the Red Sea separated that the Israelites might be able to safely cross over? No, of course it wasn't Moses. It was all God. God was working through Moses and it was him who was leading his people through the promised land. It was not Moses who went before them. If it, was, it was not Moses who led and protected them. It was God. He was the one who always went before 
his people. The Israelites had lost their focus. They'd not only asked who would go before them, but they then decided to replace them. Whether it was Moses or God, they replaced them by bringing all their gold together and concocting this golden calf. The God who had been so good and faithful to his people Israel was replaced by making a golden calf and saying that this thing that had just sprung out of the fire with a little bit of tooling and a bit of stuff that had been hanging around people's necks, all of a sudden that was what had brought them out of Egypt instead. Now, I'm not claiming to be Moses this morning. I'm not saying you're the Israelites this morning. But over these next few weeks and months, may we be a church who continues to never doubt who it is who truly goes before us. It's not Matt who goes before us. It's not the leadership who to go before us. In all that's happening in our world at the moment, as we worry and anxious about energy prices and the wars in Ukraine and so much else that's going on in our world, as we get anxious, may we know that it is God who goes before us. He always has and he always will. He will always lead his people and protect his people as he goes before us. The Israelites had lost their focus, but there is plenty of lessons that we can learn from their example that might avoid us from making some of the same mistakes uh, that we see in this passage. And so we're going to spend a few moments looking at these together now. And the first of these is that we need to be patient. This all started with Moses disappearing up a mountain for longer than people were expecting him. Uh, As the people waited for his return, they became impatient, and they became so impatient that they didn't listen to the commands that he'd given to them, and they instead took matters into their own hands. I haven't given really any commands to our church leaders during this time of sabbatical. They're doing a great job planning for it. The one plan I would say is no cows, as I've already said. Uh, that, would be, um, that, is the one, that would certainly be one commandment I would give to you as a church. However, it might be that over these next few months, decisions need to be held off. Things might need to be put back whilst we wait for a decision for me to return and for decisions to be made in an appropriate way. Sometimes we might need to be patient. In our own lives, we're in this era, era of instant gratification. We want everything straight away. Sometimes we need to be patient and wait for the God who goes before us. Over these next few weeks and months, can I encourage us all to be patient Don't let our desire for speed lose our focus. Instead, as we wait, may we know that God is going before us. In all things, he will work in his time and in his way. We can also keep our focus by having a long-term memory. We have already seen the Israelites had, a lost, had lost their focus and had a warped memory of what had happened in their past as they, were le- as they left Egypt. It was not Moses who'd brought them out of Egypt, 
It was not a golden calf that brought them out of Egypt, but it was God who had rescued them and brought them out of Egypt. A long-term memory holds us and sustains us. I often say that one of the greatest gifts that God has ever given to us is the gift of hindsight. Looking forward, we can struggle to see what's going to happen in the future. The future is often uncertain. But as we look back, there we can see the goodness and the faithfulness of God in the years past. And as we see, look back and see the goodness and the faithfulness of God, it inspires us to live for him in the future. If the people could have seen that God was able to lead and protect them as they emerged out of Egypt, they could have seen that he would have led them and protected them as they waited for Moses to come down from that mountain. A long-term memory is not good if we just hold on to it because we, we're wishful and depend long for how things as they used to be. But a long-term memory can fuel our faith as we look to the future. A long-term memory enables us to see that our God always goes before us. We can also help our fo- keep our focus by helping our leaders The Israelites, I think it's fair to say, were panicked. Moses had disappeared. He'd been longer than they thought it was. So how did they respond? Well, they responded by coming to Aaron and bringing all their requests and all their demands to him. Now, we don't have time to look at this in detail this morning, but Aaron certainly didn't cover himself in glory as the people came to him. But the people could have helped him by being much less demanding of him. We have some great leaders in our church. Anne, Bella, Suzanne, and all our trustees are doing a wonderful job already in making plans and preparations for this time of sabbatical, and they will continue to do so, and they will lead you well over these next few weeks and months. But can I encourage you as a church to be mindful of them over this time? Can I encourage you to pray for your leaders? When you're anxious, when you're concerned, when you're worried, will unloading your concerns to them burden them or will it be something that needs to be addressed now? Are you making demands of them or can you offer to be a help to them? One thing is for sure that over these next few weeks, please don't make unnecessary demands of your leaders. Look at verse 1. Aaron was under pressure and the people came to him and said, Come, make us gods. It's not exactly a nice sort of like, All right, Aaron, you're feeling a bit stressed at the moment. Can we help? It's like, come, we want action. We want this now. Here's a lesson for you. Just because you demand something doesn't mean to say it's always right. In every season of our church, but especially over these next few weeks and months, may we help our leaders and know that it is not them alone who go before us, but it is God who goes before us. And in him, we can place our trust. We can also keep our focus by remaining faithful to God. 
The Israelites had already received the Ten Commandments from God. They'd already pledged and agreed and devoted themselves to remaining faithful to God. But they didn't always keep their word. Today, I hope we would not set up a golden calf as a church. But the question still remains, what is there that might distract us from Jesus and distract us from worshipping God as we might want, as, as we have prom- pledged to. Over the sabbatical period, it's great that the leaders have decided that as a church, we're going to be spending some time looking at our church values, looking at our DNA about who we are as a church family here in this community. And the first and central value of our church is that we keep Jesus at the centre. And so the question might be, what might push Jesus out of the center of our church, what might push Jesus out of the center of our lives over these next few weeks and months? Could we get so busy with all the things that we're doing and we're involved in that we come to church to sort out all the jobs, but we neglect the space and the opportunity to worship Jesus above any other? Could it be that we get distracted by something that takes us away from being a part of God's church family and replace him with something else instead? Could it be that we put our trust in something or someone else other than Jesus alone? One of the ways that the Israelites had lost their focus is that they were meant to be offering their gold to build a tabernacle, the place where God's presence would dwell, a place of encountering the living God. But instead of giving their gold to honour God and to, in fact, to a place where they could encounter God, they instead in this passage gave their gold to replace God. May we know that God is faithful He will always go before us. So as he faithfully leads us and protects us, may we also remain faithful to him. And finally, we then need to address the end of the passage. Uh, The bloody end of the passage, the gory end of the passage. Is it really what's going on in this passage? And the simple lesson that we can learn from this is that to avoid losing our focus, we should always repent when we go wrong and embrace the grace of our God. Whilst Moses is up the mountain, God tells him what's happening down in the camp below, and Moses is in the unenviable position of seeing the anger of God firsthand. Uh, I've seen the anger of my parents. That wasn't a pleasant experience. Um, but I imagine the anger of God goes a level above that um, as well. As one commentator puts it, here we see one of the clearest illustrations of the holiness and the righteousness of God in all the Bible. As God in, this, in his righteous anger rages against the sinfulness and dishonor of his people, Moses steps in. And as Moses steps in, he then intercedes for the, for the Israelites. Now, we don't have time to explore this more together, but just imagine what that must be like, to see God's anger in all its fullness, and then to stand there and to try and talk God down. Who would dare? But our God is not just holy and righteous, 
but he's also gracious. In verses 11 to 14, God's grace breaks through. Even in his anger, God still has favour upon his people. Moses didn't just justify the behaviour of the Israelites. In fact, quite the opposite. He shows them how terrible it is. But he shows God that he still wants to honour his name. And then in verse 14, we hear this wonderful verse that the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster that he threatened. May we never lose focus on the grace of our God. He revealed his grace to the Israelites. He revealed his grace to all of us through Jesus, that in our sinfulness, that in the error of our ways, his love still remained. He offered us a way back. And he's continuing to reveal that grace to each one of us here today as well. And if you've never encountered the grace of God in your life, let me encourage you today to see the grace of God and to encounter it for yourself. As Moses returns to the camp, we can't, he can't believe what he sees. The people were all out of control. They're celebrating a cow that's apparently magically appeared out of the fire. And so Moses straight away gets things put right. He destroys the golden calf and removes it as a distraction. Then after a conversation with Aaron, he goes to the entrance of the camp, the place where, the court, uh, 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 where court was held, a place of justice and where decisions were made. And as he stands at the entrance of the camp in this place of justice, he opens a public court of a court hearing and he effectively offers God's people a way back from their mistakes. All those people who'd lost their focus, who were running out of control, an offer of grace is made. In verse 26, verse 26 tells us that Moses stands at the gate and says, whoever is for the Lord, come to me. He confronts them, he confronts the Israelites, he invites them to repent, to declare their allegiance to the Lord and to encounter his grace. However, there were some in the camp who had lost their focus. They had no interest in repeating and encountering, in encountering the grace of God. So for them, there were severe consequences, just as there would have been if Moses had not intervened at the top of Mount Sinai. The rest, as they say, was history. God will always go before us. He will always protect and lead us. He doesn't expect us to be perfect, but when we get it wrong, he does demand that we acknowledge what we've done wrong, that we return, that we repent and return back to him and his faithfulness. In this passage, we see the holiness of God, his righteousness, but we also see the grace of God that even when they got it all wrong, there was still a way back for the people of God. Just like we have in Jesus today. Jesus is good, he's holy, he's perfect, but he's also gracious. And he has lavished his grace on us, enabling us to have a way back to God too. But that offer of grace 
needs to be accepted. If we accept the grace of Jesus and commit ourselves to him again, then we can always be sure that he will always go before us. So as we approach this time of sabbatical, as we approach whatever lies ahead of us in our lives over these next few weeks, may we mind the gap and may we always know that our God goes before us. And as we know that he goes before us, let's keep our focus. Let's continue to know and put our trust in Jesus that no matter what lies ahead of us, we can always be sure that he will lead and protect us. Let's pray together. Lord God, we praise you for your grace, that whilst you are holy and righteous and good in every way, even in our brokenness, in our imperfection, in our sinfulness, you still love us, your grace still abounds, and you give us a way of returning back to you. Lord, forgive us for those times where we have lost our focus, where we have doubted you, where we've not seen that you are the God who goes before us. And Lord, we pray together for ourselves and we pray for our church at this time. Lord, in all that we face, in all that lies before us, may we always know that you go ahead of us and that whatever is ahead of us, we may not need not fear because you are our God and you will overcome anything that is laid in our path. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.